Welcome to the Between Sundays podcast from Four Corners Community Church in Darien, Illinois. Four Corners exists to help people find and follow Jesus, and we envision a church of everyday missionaries living with gospel intentionality wherever we live, work, and play. And welcome back to another installment of our Between Sundays podcast. Uh, it's Dave again. Michael's joining again. Uh, and Brian is back from a sabbatical. It's good to have you. It's great to be back. It's so, good to take Janet's seat back. So. Yeah, yeah. Booted her out a little bit. So. She'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we move here toward fall, um, or before we move on to fall, uh, maybe we just interested what was the best part of sabbatical. Oh, just to spend... Um, the best part of my sabbatical was just to spend very concentrated time with my wife and my kids, uh, to have that freedom, uh, both in town and out of town. Uh, I jokingly said this Sunday, but she said it multiple times. My wife would say things like, I really like sabbatical Brian, because mm-hmm. uh, to be able to have a, kind of this undivided attention. Um, my favorite part of sabbatical was just being out of town. Mm. And, you know, it was a real blessing and a real gift to be able to travel for three weeks and not have to worry about what was going on at home. Um, and so me and my family went out to the East Coast um, and we flew through a bunch of different places, Niagara Falls, upstate New York, kind of back in Jersey where we grew up, got to see a Mets game, went to South Jersey to my best friend's house and went to Washington, D.C. and showed the kids that and then spent uh, the better part of a week on the beach at Ocean City, Maryland. I mean, mm. Uh, I could have done any one of those and it would have made for a great summer trip. So to be able to do them all and then do a marriage retreat with my wife, like I'm very cognizant that I was able to do things this summer that most people don't have the freedom to be able to do. So Hmm. uh, it was an awesome summer. I mean, to be really blunt about it, how can't it be good when you got nine weeks to just kind of be like, you don't have to work and you don't have to be engaged on the day to day. Um, it was great, but it's also great to be back and see people and laugh and hear about their summers. And, um, Ooh, another great thing about my summer was I stayed off of Facebook for the whole summer and, uh, it it was wonderful. It was really good. It does make you wonder why would you ever get back? So are you back? Uh, a little bit, Mm -hmm. very little. I posted my first thing yesterday for my son's birthday. And so we'll see. I have found myself not really caring to check anything or to do anything. So. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you, I get on and wish people happy birthday and get yeah, off. And yeah. so maybe you've been right all the time along here. So well, it's been good. I'm curious. How was your guys summer? What did you guys do? What was the, what was the highlight, uh, for you guys? We worked Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that statement made very little guilt for me. <laughs> so none. Uh, man, I, we did a lot of like family day trips. We went to the pool, things like that. That was a lot of fun. Um, I did go to Rwanda, which, um, which was a big piece of my summer. So that was a lot of fun. Um, visited, we sponsored a child over there. And so I saw him and, uh, one of the things that they did differently this time. So in the past, you know, if you go, if you get the opportunity to go visit your child, it's been just like a home visit, which is really special. You get to meet like their family and things, but this time in particular, um, they gave us another day where uh, we were able to take our sponsored child to the city, and we did, like, we took him bowling, uh, and he's never been bowling or anything. So that was a lot of fun and funny at the same time. To Trying to picture him. what it would be like to bowl for the first time. He was surprisingly never... good. I was, I was. Is that code word for he beat you? Uh, that it, 
I did not bowl, so uh, <laughs> we just kind of let the kids bowl a little bit. But um, yes, yeah, so I I think I could still take them if I had to. So, uh, but the lanes were like bumpy, and like it was like the balls were. I mean, it was, there was a there was a guy in the back who would set up the pins. You'd see his hands just kind of come down and set up the pins, and so if you bowled at the wrong time, you might really injure him. So it was like it was. Sketchy bowling, um, but it was fun. So we had a good time. What about you, Michael? I think we had a pretty regular summer. Uh, it's been, or at least it feels like it's been rainier than normal for Chicago for a summer. So Lee and I have kind of a long standing agreement that the summer is the time that if we have any extra cash to do any fixing anything up, that it's outside stuff in the summer. Mm and inside stuff when the weather's not nice so uh, we've done a little bit of landscaping in the backyard just with some materials that have kind of already been laying around our uh, uh, monster mess of a backyard Mm. Um, working on a patio and working on a fire pit but in terms of hanging out we did a a little vacationing to North Carolina Um, we had a pretty cool bucket list that we went through with the kids and got most of that stuff done did some fun things with the kids and we had a really good summer of inviting our neighbors over quite a bit and having lots of cookouts and uh, trying to stay plugged in with our uh, community as much as possible, our gospel community. So it it felt relatively normal, mm-hmm. but it was good. I'd prefer normal. Do you enjoy? <laughs> do you enjoy? This is to both of you. Do you guys enjoy uh, school time or summertime? Like some people like the routine of like mm-hmm. the. School kids are back in school and it's like a, and others just like the freedom of sun of summer and... oh i'm a hundred percent summer not just when i have nine weeks off yeah. <laughs> like in normal life i would choose summer summer adventures just mm-hmm. kind of i would choose summer yeah yeah i think ideally if i got around to doing more of the things i wanted to do in summer like if we went camping or fishing more yeah. i'd probably say yeah. summer but yeah i think like the very beginning of summer and the very end of summer are pretty great because at the beginning of summer it's like oh sweet school's done we're gonna go have fun and at the end of summer it's like oh school's about to school's about to start let's go have fun but Mm -hmm. that chunk in between where Mm -hmm. it literally takes five or six days before your kids are like (laughs) as a parent you're like all right it's back to school the worst thing that that my kids will sometimes say i don't want to talk about my kids bad on they're not listening yeah uh they'll be like they'll hit a point in the summer at and they'll just be like, I'm bored. Yep. Like, and then it's like trying to find stuff to do or when you hand them a shovel. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So oh, that's funny. Anyway. Uh, well, we thought we'd talk a little bit about um, the sermon that you just uh, kind of gave preach this past Sunday. Um, I think for a couple of weeks now, you're planning on doing some sermon reflections or sabbatical reflections. And so uh, this past week, you talked in particular about how the church is a family and something you belong to, not something you attend. Um, can you give a little bit of the background? Where did Where is this coming from? Um, obviously, you're sabbatical, but what happened over sabbatical that led you to kind of really wanting to talk about this with our church? Yeah, for me and Carrie, my wife... Um, I think we were surprised by the struggle we had going to church over the summer, like attending on a Sunday morning. And um, it wasn't out of, you know, we went into sabbatical going, hey, when we're in town, we'll go find churches to go to. 
Uh, but then when the rubber met the road, there was just very little motivation to attend. Um, and, and as we talked about that and got it, that it had mostly to do with um, the fact that we didn't feel when we went to churches, we didn't feel at all a part of that community. We just felt like we were observing somebody else's community. So we'd sit in the back and, you know, listen to songs and, you know, I got a good sense of what it's like to visit a church. And because um, I've worked in churches ever since I got out of college and um, there was just very little motivation and it, it had everything to do with not being a part of that community. Um, it made us very thankful for this community here at Four Corners that we're a part of. Like my kids by the middle of sabbatical were asking, when can we go back to our church? Mm. Um, and, and see, it, it just made me realize how many people even in our church have that same feel of the church. And they come once in a while and they're kind of in the back and they're not in a group and they're they kind of come and they go. Like when I would go visit churches over the summer, man, the pastor would say amen, and I was in my car as fast as I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all just a very weird kind of disconcerting um, feeling. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I wanted to come back and say to our church, hey, the church has to be about more than uh, the event. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be, it's not a building you go to, it's not something you attend, but we're for better or for worse, the local church is a family. Um, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, helping one another. We're equipping one another, encouraging one another, running the race together. Um, and I came back with a really deep sense of I want Four Corners, whether it's uh, big or small or whatever it is, I, I want it to be a family. Mm-hmm. And I always think that's been part of our DNA. Um, and, and so I wanted to put that back onto the church and, and have them wrestle with it a little bit the same way we had to wrestle with it this summer. And, uh, so that was one of my main motivations for wanting to come back and talk about really what's the purpose, what's the nature of the local church, uh, what's motivating about it, what's compelling about it. Because as I said this Sunday, uh, you could spend a lot of time listening to a lot better preachers than me and a lot better musicians than Michael. Um, and that's not self-deprecating. That's just the world we live in now mm. <laughs> where you could listen to the best of the best and not get out of your pajamas. So what's motivating to come be part of a messy group of people um, and, and invest in that? And so that was my main motivation because I really missed it this summer. Mm. I, I really genuinely, my family missed uh, being a part of this family. Do you guys think most people uh, view church as the thing that happens on Sundays? Like, do you think that's most people, not just in our congregation, but, you know, most Christians view it like that? Or do you think most people see church as a family that you belong to? I would think statistics show that most people view it as something you attend and and what's it, what am I getting out of it? And... Um, there's, there is not, you know, whether it's here or in other places there, you you could just tell lack of ownership by people's engagement with it. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I would say there's probably a spectrum across the board, but Mm -hmm. I would say that our, our culture, uh, in general is probably pretty, all right. I do church on Sunday. I do school Monday through Friday. We got soccer on this day and, and the puzzle has to fit together. And that's just kind of one of the puzzle pieces. Hmm. Yeah, it's generally an event you attend when you have time. Mm-hmm. And if you have a lot going on in your life, then you won't make time. 
Um, if you don't value it terribly much, you won't make time. Or if you generally have a heart posture of busyness, you won't make time. Mm-hmm. Where I think a lot of times we're not actually as busy as we say. I think the stats of Netflix watching show, we're not as busy as we mm-hmm. say that we are. Um, but I also think that the fact that there are so many reviews of all of our churches on the internet by people show that um, they think it's like an event mm-hmm. or a consumer good. Yeah. Um, in some ways, it kind of elevates, in my mind, like this conversation el- elevates the importance of like membership, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people who struggle with even the concept of membership might be viewing church as still something that just is very Sunday-centric, mm-hmm. as opposed to... Like no, this is a family that I am, I am committing myself to. Like they're becoming a member is not just saying I'm signing a paper, but it's saying like I want to be a part of this family. I want to be identified with this family. Um, I want to be known here, and I want to commit myself to this family. Like I want to love and serve and um, you know give myself to this community and of imperfect people. That was interesting that I think you did a good job um, kind of expounding on the fact that uh, one of the problems why people always say, well, churches are dysfunctional is because they're made up of dysfunctional, sinful people. Correct. Like this isn't, there's no perfect church out there. The Um, second we enter the church, it is no longer perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and I thought you made a good comment like, um, hey, if you are just out there searching for the perfect church, you're never going to find it um, because it's filled with imperfect people. And so learning to enter into that community and be part of that, I think, um, and give yourself to a bunch of imperfect people and still love them despite mm-hmm. their flaws and learn about forgiveness and conflict resolution and all that kind of stuff reconciliation is is really when the church i think shines when yes. people can walk through hard times and be better for it yep. um, in the end and i think what becomes strange too is i mean churches are we, we just use the same word for a lot of different things so churches are organizations mm-hmm. and um but i i think what what becomes the good barometer for any of us is when the question is what is my church giving to me and um you know none of us will treat our our regular families that way like hey is this church st- i mean is this family still uh making me happy is it still giving me what i need no well i'm gonna go find another family like, that's not how you treat family mm-hmm. um and so i think a, you know i think a good barometer is um I'm not saying you never leave churches, but what what is what would cause you to leave a church? And yeah. if it's if it has everything to do with just what it's providing for you, I would say you probably are missing the boat. But that's part of the the culture we live in, right? Yeah. Like we could be like, well, the early church they stuck it out. Well, they didn't have like there wasn't First Baptist of Ephesus and the Episcopalian <laughs> Church of Ephesus. Like Ephesus, there was a church, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they rolled up their sleeves together. So I do think. Uh, it's an important question because us as pastors, we could spin our wheels just trying to keep people around mm-hmm. and like, oh, gosh, what do they need? And, you know, I think it causes all of us as pastors, but also as parishioners to go, uh, what is the church? Mm-hmm. What would be I, I think you brought up an interesting um, kind of question. Um, what for people who might be considering moving churches or switching churches like what would be a valid kind of reason to to jump ship if that 
if that's a better, <laughs> that's a horrible way of putting it, but to leave and how do you go about leaving a church well? Um, because uh, I think a lot of people just disappear, you know, all of a sudden, you know, whether member or not, all of a sudden they just stop attending. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the staff or someone realizes, well, they haven't been around for a while. And unfortunately, they've got to be chased down. Um, but that's all too common. Um, so if there was someone, I'm not saying they should <laughs> jump ship or anything, but what would be a valid reason for potentially saying, OK, I'm going to switch congregations um, Mm-hmm. Have you guys thought through that ever? Yeah, I'd, I don't think it should be a ton of things. It should probably be very few things. Yeah. Um, if you don't preach a true full gospel, then mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't feel any burden to stay part of that family. And I guess there should be a caveat to all of this that um, if you're trying someplace and you love people someplace, you should probably make an attempt to speak into making a situation better before you would just walk mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think way too many people just step out of a situation before talking to who they need to talk to and making sure that they're part of working towards solutions instead of just complaining about problems and yeah. then exiting mm-hmm. the situation. But um, yeah, not preaching true full gospel, um, not calling a people to understand and live a true full gospel, um, not equipping a congregation to do what God has asked the leadership of a church to equip a congregation to do, um, generally not understanding the plot of who God is or um, what he says of us and what he's called us to be. It's all those very large picture, but also very simple and basic gospel issues that I think are the most important things. And it can become very hairy and nuanced to figure out what all of that means in the context of a church, because I can throw a stone from where I am right now probably and hit any number of churches, Mm -hmm. especially around Chicago. Um, And every church says that they value these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But just like us as individuals or us as church communities, you know, we should look at our works as evidence of what we say we believe. You have to look at the fruit of what churches are doing as an evidence of what they say they believe um, and make a determination based on that. Mm. Good. Yeah, I I would agree. I think Generally, the breaking points are theological. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if you're sitting there and, and it's it, and you can honestly say it has to do with a style of some sort, it's mm-hmm. probably a bad reason. Mm-hmm. Whether it be music or, uh, you know, so particular programming or whatever, yeah. um, there's certainly theological things that are worth breaking over. Uh, but as Michael pointed out, I, I would hope that um, even at those points, that that it's still been done well. That mm-hmm. you can still sit down and hug each other and say, hey, we disagree about this, but I, I bless you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not looking for my permission or the elder's permission or whatever, but just, hey, we're in this together. Unfortunately, that rarely happens, and I understand why that rarely happens, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully even under things that are legitimate reasons to break fellowship, it's still done in a, in a God-honoring way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's often like this is the stuff that I don't think many people talk about. I think many people find themselves in the middle of, you know, problems and conflicts because churches are full of imperfect people. And so a lot of times people, for whatever reason, maybe they've never gotten connected or they've never been part of the family in a deeper way. And so they're just attending and then a conflict happens or something rubs them the wrong way and then they just jump. 
and they just leave. And I think that that's an epidemic in kind of Western Christianity. So I really appreciated kind of your words on Sunday and what you talked about. And it's not an every time situation. So I don't want to paint with a super broad brush, but I will just speak from my own experiences that most, most of the time that I've interacted with folks who want to break uh, fellowship with a church congregation, it is based on them expecting more than they're willing to give themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at the people around them, whether it's the people who sit in a worship gathering or the pastors, the elders, and they're demanding that things happen at this church or happen for them, that if you made the reverse demand of them, they wouldn't be willing to follow through on it mm-hmm. and probably haven't followed through on the entire time they've been part of that congregation. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, we just, obviously we need to be gracious mm-hmm. and have like a ton of grace and mercy in these conversations with the people that we're pastoring and the people who are part of our faith communities. But also you have to have some hard conversations with people too and say, you know what, I think there's just a lot of either consumerism in this or pride in this or selfishness in this. And are you really expecting as much of yourself or giving as much of yourself to our family as you were expecting us to give to you? And a majority of the time, I just, I don't see that. Mm -hmm. It brings up another good point. Um, I mean, Brian, you alluded to this earlier, obviously because we're a family, that's one important reason, but, um, the importance of the Sunday worship gathering. Um, why do we, or why are we in the rhythm of, uh, on a weekly basis gathering? And, um, I mean, there's verses that say, you know, brothers, let's not stop meeting together and things like that. But, um, what's the importance of continuing to meet together as a church family? Why is that so important in your minds? I don't know. I mean, it can be, again, it can be hard like chick to chicken and egg some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even in some of the verses that Brian was talking about, about how the church is created, what the tr- purpose of the church is, how we're not s- supposed to forsake gathering. I think the most important thing to me is, is to recognize what seems to come first. What seems to come first as one of your identities in Jesus is that you are part of a family now. Mm-hmm. Your father identity is that you're part of a family. Your Jesus identity is that you're a servant like Jesus was. Your Holy Spirit identity is that you're a missionary. We've talked about these in our gospel mm-hmm. community classes and stuff. Um, and too often it gets flipped the other way that you come on Sunday to prove that you're family. Mm. You already are. Mm. Yeah. That's like saying, yeah. it's like saying, um, I do this or that because I want to show people that Jesus is king or that we're taking more kingdom territory for Jesus. Jesus is already the king of everything. Like we can make people aware of the fact that he's already king of everything, but we're not taking any ground for Jesus by people coming to know him or anything. The ground is already his. We're Mm -hmm. just making these people aware of the fact that Jesus is the ruler and the reigner over all things. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just important to remember what comes first. Yeah. What comes first is that if we are in Christ, um, if we are reconciled, if we're in the process of being restored, if we have been saved, then we are family. Mm-hmm. You don't get a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the reasons or one of the things that you do in your family is that you don't forsake gathering with each other. Mm-hmm. and. That looks like gospel community for sure, but mm-hmm. that looks like, especially if we have the blessing, Bonhoeffer talks about this a lot in his book, Life and Community. If if we have this blessing that so many people in the past haven't had, like you don't forsake that blessing that mm-hmm. we have. 
um, to gather like we do on Freedom Sunday mornings or Saturdays or Wednesdays or whenever your church meets for its main family gathering. Um, but you don't do that to prove that you're a family and doing it doesn't make you more of a family. Yep. You're supposed to already recognize you're a family and this is why this is important. We need to be spurred on. We need to be encouraged on a regular basis because just read the Bible. We so often forget. That was one of the points that you talked about in Judges. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this constant forgetting. We are constantly forgetful and we go into these spirals and these cycles of sin when we forget these things. Um, so we don't become family because we come to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We already are family and that is why we gather on Sundays mm-hmm. and that is why we do gospel community because yeah. because of our identity that already exists. Yeah. If you're If you're already thinking like a have to, like I have to go, you're in a bad spot, right? As opposed to I get to go, <laughs> like I get to gather together and worship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, that's a totally different perspective flip. Um, and I think you're right. When, when our motivation is we're trying to act like we're family or we're trying to become family, um, then it's a kind of in, a, in essence, sort of a works righteousness kind yeah. of backwards model as opposed to, no, we are the family of God, and so we're gathering, um, you know. But I also get, you know, we can fall into that pattern pretty easily, and I oh, think yeah. a lot of people um, struggle with that, myself probably included at times. Yeah, so. I mean, you can't blame so many people for so many years for falling into patterns of consumerism when their churches have led them into that. Mm-hmm. Like you are leading people into that if all you all you're focusing on is, well, we're just going to lecture at you for a while and we're going to sing some songs and we're going to give program programming for your kids or whatever. Like there is no inherently family element to that. Mm -hmm. Like none of us say, yeah, we got closer because our parents sat us down for a lecture or because we did a weird thing that not everybody wants to do with singing and stuff. These are all historical things that have Mm -hmm. happened in faith gatherings. But it's also why we've talked lately about, man, we need more emphasis in storytelling in worship gatherings because that's how we grow to know each other and love each other and be spurred on as we hear what God is doing in our lives. We hear his word that is preached. Yes, that's awesome. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. And we praise him with songs. Um, But if we're wanting Sundays and not just gospel communities to feel more like a family time, then you have to pull those more relational, story-based, narrative-based family elements into what you do in a gathering if you want that to be a time that values family too. So I'm glad we're trying to work on that, but that's a hard road to hoe, yeah. you know, um, yeah. when people aren't used to that, it just feels like, wait, why are we doing this again? Can't we just get to the preaching already? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. why do I have to listen to Bob or Sally give me a story about blah, 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 blah. That's not my life. It's not applicable. Like we got to work to make people understand that that's just as applicable as anything else that we're doing in a yeah. worship gathering. And I think it in some ways kind of leans into what uh, you're going to be talking about this week, the importance of prayer. Mm-hmm. And because that's another kind of family activity that we can be doing even on Sunday mornings, um, you know, praying, not even not even in like the liturgical kind of way, but just being as you meet with people, you know, being open to I would love to see more and more people just kind of gathering and praying mm-hmm. um, in the moment as opposed to just saying, yeah, I'll pray for you and then kind of going home and forgetting about it or whatever. But like if there's a brother or sister in need and they're in, in the midst of a conversation, feel free to pray for them in that moment. I think that's a really cool picture of the family kind of coming together and lifting each other's needs up. Yep. And I think we gather, as I was thinking of that question, like families gather and it, it becomes a reminder that we're not in this alone, that there's a, you know, not out on some island. I'm not trying to live my faith by myself and 
there's other people in the struggle and in trying to grow. And, uh, but I also think, and we touched on this on Sunday, was it's a really imperfect but still a foretaste of what eternity is, right? Mm-hmm. When every tongue and tribe and nation gather under the lordship of Jesus, there's this, um, there's this wonderful picture there in Revelation that um, hopefully looks 100% more glorious than what we do on a Sunday morning, but it's still mm-hmm. giving us that perspective mm-hmm. when we gather together to sing praises and sit under his word and encourage one another. Um, there's still a picture of what will be done perfectly in eternity. And I think that's important. It keeps our minds uh, kind of going in the right, focus on the right stuff. So we went to, uh, I told you, we went to Rwanda this past uh, summer and took a team there. And we had the opportunity to go to um, a church gathering on uh, on a Sunday morning in Kayonza and to see them worshiping and things, there was this really cool kind of that revelation um, picture that was going on in my mind as or even though I couldn't understand what they were saying and mm-hmm. things like that, it was just, and I felt at home. Like it was like, I knew in some way that these were my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And even though we're separated by an ocean and all this kind of stuff, like it really felt like um, it just was a cool experience. Like it just felt very uh, connected, even though I'd never been there before, yep. things like that. And they were the pastor, um, you know, was dedicating his two, he had two young ones, um, new babies that they just had twins. And so he randomly called me up to pray over them and um, kind of dedicate them. Uh, it was just this really cool kind of like, we don't even really know each other yet. Um, yet there's this connection and like we're brothers and sisters and um, it just was a really powerful moment of that trip um, that I'll never forget about. And I've had that experience in other mm-hmm. Mexico, different places that we've been when, when you gather. There's something really beautiful about God's global church. Yep. Um, I remember the one time, you've gone multiple times, the one time I got to go to Rwanda. Yep. I remember the pastor of what, somewhere where we were in Rwanda, he said, uh, we were saying bye, and he just goes, hey, we'll see you in eternity one day. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like this. It was like jolting, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'll pro- probably never see you again unless I come to Rwanda again or mm-hmm. you come to America for some reason. Yeah. Um, but we are family and we're going to spend it. I remember just being knowing rationally, yes, that's a true statement, but being jolted by like the truth of that in that moment when he said, hey, mm. we're acknowledging we're likely to never see each other again until eternity. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. uh, that was powerful. And I think one of the uh, reasons that communion becomes so cool and important when you practice that as a faith family whether that's you're in your gospel community and you're sharing a meal with each other you know like they would have done in yep. uh the new testament the early church or you know it's turned into a lot of different things based mm-hmm. on whatever your denomination is and but it's really the only aspect of a worship gathering most weeks that we do it that isn't in some way tainted by all of our humanness mm-hmm. like people could come in and say oh well you know Brian's preaching or Dave's preaching or Michael Huber's preaching or Evan Olson's preaching or whatever over the course of this summer. And whatever the truth of God's word was can be tempered or filtered through all of our Mm -hmm. impressions of each of those people, rightfully or wrongfully. And the same with music. Oh, well, Michael's leading or Eric's leading that song or Michael O'Connor's doing the sound or Joe Mm -hmm. Wegner's doing the sound or whatever. And so people form different opinions about the value or the benefit or the purpose of music based on the style or the person leading or whatever. Communion has none of those things. Mm -hmm. 
communion is totally focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. All we are doing is thinking about remembering, celebrating, you know, um, and how we're united and how we're united, mm-hmm. not just as a church, but as a universal body of Christ for all time in the mm-hmm. past and in the future and in the present. Um, and there's something beautiful about engaging in something that, you know, we really have no way of messing up. Jesus mm-hmm. already accomplished the work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not messing it up because I'm Michael. You're not messing it up because you're Dave. You're mm-hmm. not messing it up because you're Brian. Um, it's already been accomplished. We're just remembering it. We're celebrating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're focused on Jesus as opposed to who's delivering some specific message through a song or yep. through the preached word or whatever. And so um, along with story, I think communion is one of those ways where we can really engage in our family identity, even in a, mm-hmm. in a Sunday worship gathering um, without all the you know, consumeristic or prideful or me first filler that sometimes happens in people's minds and on Sundays. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. The church is, it's a crazy, messy, beautiful Mm -hmm. body of Christ. Um, I mean, you, you do, when you start backing it up and kind of thinking about how crazy it is that all these different people from different walks of life, different economical classes, races, tribes, all this kind of stuff, we all unite together. Um, it, it cuts through all that garbage and it gets right to Christ and says, no, he's what matters and he's our King and our Lord. And, um, and we all gather under the banner of his Lordship. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is a powerful picture for the world. Um, when we actually can live in unity yeah. and can carry that out. And um, it gets back to your original question. Like if you aren't worshiping with a group of people on a regular basis, that is as much as they humanly can trying to cut through, mm-hmm all of our human garbage to get to the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, Mm -hmm. then yeah, maybe thinking, think about trying someplace else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause like Brian said on Sunday, all of this is a waste of time. If Jesus isn't behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, If, if who we say he is and what we say he did and what he told us he's continuing to do in all of us isn't actually true. And we're not celebrating that on a regular basis. Then we are all, Wasting our time and wasting our money and wasting our effort and Enjoy wasting our your skill. Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go do, go do something else. Go be yeah. with people or whatever. Go be with someone else because if that's who we are, then we're just a bunch of liars mm-hmm. sitting around in a room and you're better off hanging out with someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about a lot here. Some of it we weren't planning on talking. We just kind of rolled with it. Um, but hopefully that's helpful as you kind of wrestle with the local church and think about even your own involvement and investment. Um, I'd ask you to just kind of think about how are you plugging in? How are you connecting? How are you getting to know um, the others in your family? Um, whether that be on, you know, maybe it's as easy as I'm going to start uh showing up more often and I'm going to start worshiping with my other brothers and sisters for you. Maybe it's, I'm going to start serving, um, in some way, or maybe it's, I'm going to get plugged into a gospel community or a group, um, so that I can really get to know people on a deeper level and enter into kind of mission together. Um, so, um, wherever you're at, I'd encourage you to just kind of think about those questions. You know, what is the church and what do I believe the church to be and how am I leaning into that picture um, and if you've got questions or you want to talk more with us we're always available uh, to do that so you can just call the church or reach out to us um, through email so uh, next week uh, Brian's going to be uh, talking a little bit about prayer and the Holy Spirit and then I think we're starting a series on 
uh, generosity. So you correct. We always try to do at least one of our values at some point in the fall. So we'll talk a little bit about generosity. And so that's coming up. And so probably our next podcast will be in a couple of weeks uh, to kind of reflect on generosity a little bit. Well, I hope you have a great week and I hope to see you soon. See ya. Bye. This has been an episode of the Between Sundays podcast from Four Corners Community Church. For more information on our faith family, you can follow us on Facebook or visit us on the web at fccc.church.